democracy. Hello, this is Peter Sparding, a fellow at the German Marshall Fund. Welcome to Out of Order, the GMF podcast. I am joined today by a special guest, Juliane Schäuble, U.S. correspondent for the German newspaper Der Tagesspiegel. I've wanted to have Juliana on this podcast for a while, actually to talk about how it is as a German correspondent here in the U.S. to cover the Trump administration and the presidential elections. Developments over the last week or two have, of course, dramatically changed all of that a little bit. But I still wanted to get a little bit of her insights on how it is to follow U.S. politics in these times. So first of all, welcome, Juliana. Thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Everything will be about how things are now in this moment of crisis. But maybe I know that you were, before this all broke out, traveling a lot to cover primaries, and I think you were in Iowa and, and South Carolina and so on. Maybe you can give us a bit of an idea what it's like as a foreign correspondent to cover the interesting circus that is U.S. presidential elections. How do you approach it? I mean, can you talk to the candidates? Do you talk to people on the street? How do you figure this all out? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, it's very, I'm very, I was very lucky to be able to travel um, in the first elections because Iowa and New Hampshire are really easy to travel. Um, uh, the distances are not too far. So um, even if you want to see like five events a, day, events a day, it's possible. And it's um, and it's a fascinating, it was a fascinating time. It is my first um, election here in the US. Um, I came almost two years ago. Um, and it's, um, you really get close to the candidates and, um, and um, the people are interested in in the different um, candidates speaking. And it's sometimes events with only 50 people. Sometimes it was like a couple of thousands, especially Bernie Sanders uh, rallies. Yeah. Um, they were huge. And um, it's, I mean, if it's if it's an event with only 50 people, you, you, you are able to, to walk up to the candidate and you could say something. But as soon as you want to have an interview or anything, the um, communication um, people uh, step up and say, well, foreign press, oh, well, no, we have no time for that. That's mm -hmm. the dilemma of being a foreign correspondent. Um, but what is really easy is to get in contact with um, the people. Um, I'm always impressed how open Americans uh, talk about their views, um, how... Um, uh, political views, especially. I mean, I don't remember, I don't recall Germans being that open and friendly all the time. So it's it's really a, um, a, a wonderful journey um, through this country. It was a wonderful journey um, the last month, uh, um, uh, and then it suddenly ended. Let's get to that in a in a minute. Maybe another question in this regard, because I know you covered the the election campaign now, but of course, before that, the main or one of the main focus of, of your um being here as a correspondent is, of course, covering the Trump White House. How is that uh, as a foreign correspondent? Do you get uh, access to, you know, briefings and so on? Do you go to the White House or uh, how does that work? <laughs> there, um, as you probably know, there haven't been many briefings uh, in the true. last month. So I have heard all these wonderful stories from my former colleagues, how you can so you have this daily press briefings in the in the briefing room, and it's um, very easy to even as a German correspondent ask a question. Um, that really wasn't the case um, the last two years. Um, it it also suddenly um, changed with um, the coronavirus. Um, but but in in theory, um, there is a way. I mean, I can go to the White House briefings and to the White House briefing room as often as I want to. I could until now. Um, uh, I'm 
I don't, and you can apply for a hard pass um, as a, a correspondent, but then you have to be there like five or four times uh, a week. And that's not something, I mean, I'm, I'm responsible for the whole country. Um, so I'm not always sitting in the White House. I am also obliged to, to walk around, to talk to people and to travel. Right now, uh, since Monday, um, I'm not allowed to go to the White House anymore. Um, they only let in some people. Um, and Trump today said he would even like to restrict it more. I was there the last time on Sunday um, and I was sitting there with like, I don't know, 30 other people, journalists, when the president came in suddenly. Um, he didn't answer one of my questions, but he answered a lot of questions. So you really get close. But of course, the American journalists are the majority and um, they are very um, competitive in um, getting to ask questions to the president. Yeah, We haven't really seen the press secretary. Um, she has never done a briefing um, since she took right. over her job. Well, you already alluded to this, so things have obviously changed. Can you kind of walk us through how you follow this? You still cover the elections. The primaries are still going on somehow or not, but that has not gone away. So how do you balance this with this global crisis that we're now seeing? And is there even bandwidth for anything of this magnitude back home? I mean, I, I, I see the interest is not as big as it has been because everything in Berlin is super interesting. Everything in Italy is super interesting. In Germany, so I mean, I just saw the new numbers from Germany. It's it's um, The numbers are rising. If we only tell the same stories here, people would not be interested that much. But of course, you have um, you still have another kind of highest politician in the country. I mean, if you compare Donald Trump's and Angela Merkel's speeches, there's a huge difference in tone and rhetoric and not in substance, perhaps, um, but especially in the way they talk. So if he behaves like a normal president, it's interesting, but, it, but it's probably sometimes more interesting for our readers if he, he behaves in a different way. So the, the interest in, in, in Donald Trump is still very high in Germany, but of course, uh, there's a lot of other news uh, right now that, that kind of keeps us out of the newspaper. I'm used to work from my home office, my apartment, actually, um, anyway. So for me, it's not such a huge um, difference to work from home and to even see the president on TV, which is not a big difference. So you can still follow everything and there are no campaign rallies anymore, only digital right. ones. So the difference for me is I have to weigh the risk of going out myself, um, see, I don't know, initiatives out in DC, uh, talk to people. I'm not able to travel right now. I don't think it would make sense to go to Florida or to go to New York. We cannot say the other people should um, behave in a way and then we don't comply right. with this. Can you maybe uh, tell us a bit about how, you, since you're also in touch with colleagues back home, I'm sure, and, and follow your newspaper's coverage of what's going on there. Do you see a difference in the coverage of the crisis in, in Germany and in the US so far? It's, I mean, there's so much, so much going on. I see on both sides of the Atlantic, the media is, is critical towards what is officially said. And if it's fast enough, if it's handled well, I mean, even Chancellor Merkel has questions if she acted quick enough and if she used the right words to really tell people that it is a serious crisis, that they have to act immediately. So I, I think that's that's very similar of, of the way journalists can handle this. I, I see the trust in Germany, what um, the politicians um, and the the experts say it's probably higher than it is here sometimes, but there are also many many people wondering if it's not too much, if they if it's just not a normal flu. So you, you have to answer all these questions every single day. You have to convince people that what we say is um, is is the right thing to do. And um, conspiracy theories are blooming, I guess. Yeah, that is sadly true. Now, going forward, I mean, for the foreseeable future, you already mentioned you're going to work from home as much as you can. Do you have any ideas on how to cover the presidential election and so admit this? Or is this just a you go week by week by from now on? I think we go day by day. Actually. Yeah, even that. 
if I, if I look back to one week ago, um, it still was a different world. I feel it's, um, it's, it's already lasting, <laughs> lasting very long. But it's, um, if, if what the experts say is true, we might talk about uh, not weeks, but months. I, I wouldn't be happy to be isolated <laughs> for, for a month. Um, I'm probably not be able to fly to Germany um, for a couple of months to come. But I just, for myself, I just concentrate on, on, on really the day today and tomorrow. And I think everybody should, should try to do that. Otherwise, we just get scared of something we don't even know is going to happen. I have no idea how the primaries are able to go on if you don't go on, on I don't know, digital voting or um, um, mailing. I don't think people can seriously be asked to go and vote. I mean, Florida was just ridiculous to see the lines, people waiting there for hours to, to right. give their vote. I was I was amazed that they even went. So I think they have to do quickly, quick changes, I guess, in legislation as well, um, to, to make sure that there can be an election this year at all. And I'm sure the president is not the first one to, to speed that up. If, um, if he has a chance to stay in office, he's probably going to do that. Are you also trying to follow the developments in Congress about the aid packages that are being talked about to help the economic situation here? Is there a high interest of that in Germany? One would think that uh, given the connectedness of the economies, this would eventually become very interesting also in Europe. I think it's, especially the, the, the amount of money we are talking about here. Uh, it's just something that is amazing to see from, from a German perspective. Uh, if you talk about one trillion dollar right. um, in aid um, or in, in, in measurements uh, to help the economy, it's it's huge. And then also the idea of sending people a check with money. Right. I mean, we talk about bedingungsloses Grundeinkommen. Yes, UBI for non-Germans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew Jenks proposal is discussed a lot in Germany. So I think there might be some like really new and progressive and modern ideas for, for the future. So there, there is a chance in this crisis that we talk about things we, we should have talked uh, years ago already. Maybe on that note, with a final thoughts, it's very early, as we said, and we don't know how this is going to play out. But one thing seems to be clear that cooperation around the globe and, of course, between Europe and the US would be helpful in this situation. Do you foresee maybe uh, a bit more cooperation in the coming months, given that we're all in this crisis together? I'm an optimistic person, so I always think we can do better uh, than we already did. I don't think the uh, way of closing borders is a good example and uh, should be the way to go forward. I sincerely hope that both sides understand that this is not a virus that stops at um, at airports or borders. So we, we have to cooperate and we have to talk to each other before we take um, severe measures um, to, to avoid chaos. And I think what we saw here in, in the last days at the airports was chaos. And it's right. um, and, and as I heard the Trump administration did not talk to the European diplomats before they put in the, the travel ban. So I think that's something we, we really should move forward. I think the more severe the crisis, and I hope it doesn't feed into more isolationism. I hope we work more together and not less. Well, I think especially as you mentioned, this might be with us for a few months and there's some talk about multiple waves of this. I mean, this one, of course, was pretty sudden and so everybody's just operating at a moment's notice here. But if there are future waves or so, maybe with a bit more preparedness, uh, there could be some better cooperation. In these unusual times, I really appreciate that you're taking the time to talk to us about this. We wanted to talk more about other issues, but that's how it is right now. And maybe we can check in with you in the coming months, hopefully weeks only, but we will see. So thank you very much, Juliana. Thank you. And I hope to see you in person soon. <laughs> the Out of Order podcast is produced by Zachary Tarrant and me, Sydney Simon. Rachel Tausenfreund is the editorial director. Sound design and editing are by Zachary Tarrant.